and welcome to another podcast from MLUX. I'm Mike Swift, and I'm the Global Chief Correspondent for Privacy and Data Security at MLUX, and I'm speaking to you today from my base in San Francisco, California. Today, our conversation is with Anu Talu, who is Chair of the European Data Protection Board. Talu, who also heads the Data Protection Authority of Finland, became the chair of the EDPB in May of this year, succeeding Andrea Jelinek. And as you'll hear today, Talu, who really hopes to build on the foundation of GDPR enforcement established by Jelinek, with the goal of making enforcement more timely and better harmonized among the member states. We chatted about a range of subjects, including how Talu ignored the advice to go into data protection because she was told it would only be a niche area of the law. But we also touched on an array of more specific topics for the EDPB. I spoke to Anu Talu at the margins of the Global Privacy Assembly last month in Bermuda. And here's what she told me. Thank you for the invitation. Um, I wanted to ask you, first of all, you know, your impression of the, the meetings. Um, why is this valuable to attend? And you know, what are you hoping to achieve? And what do you see as the main themes coming out of these meetings this week? I think it's great to see how data protection has become uh, such a global uh, phenomenon. And the protection of, of personal data has become so important. Um, it is great to see how my colleagues from um, all over the world are uh, working on to build on their own data protection authorities. Uh, for instance, uh, on the, on the opening, uh, opening session, we had uh, the data protection authorities from uh, Caribbean uh, countries. And uh, it was really interesting to hear uh, how, what type of uh, challenges they are meeting and uh, <coughs> To, to see how they are working on to uh, build, uh, build uh, their uh, authorities. Uh, I think this, um, this shows how important the protection of personal data has become in the past years. Also, just uh, another example, uh, I met a colleague uh, from California. They, they are setting up an, uh, an authority in uh, California as well. So this is something that seems to take place uh, in very different jurisdictions uh, all over the world. It's, uh, world. it's uh, it is absolutely uh, brilliant to see this uh, this development. I wonder if we could just talk about you know you're new to this role. What would your priorities be uh, over the next year uh, or over the next few years? Well, um, to start with, uh, I think that what my predecessor has done is that uh, she has built a very solid uh, grounds for the EDBB to function. So uh, now uh, I'm quite, quite glad that I'm able to uh, build on what has already been done during the past five years. A lot of time was previously used for, uh, for making the system work. And what we are, can now do is that we can uh, work on to make the system to reach its uh, full potential. So. Uh, when we are talking about, for example, uh, enforcement, uh, it's uh, one of my goals uh, is to strengthen uh, the cooperation uh, between uh, the authorities uh, in, in TDBB. Uh, we already work uh, well together, but there has been some, uh, I would say, um, procedural uh, issues that we have been uh, we have been working on, and now. Uh, 
uh, with the Commission's new proposal, um, which uh, will complement the GDPR. Uh, I think that there will be even further grounds to uh, to make the cooperation between the authorities uh, more uh, efficient. Another important uh, topic is the international uh, cooperation. Uh, and here we see, here at the Global Privacy Assembly, we see how important uh, that is. On a more detailed or pre precise level, uh, we are actually working on our strategy at the moment, and I hope that we will have the final result uh, either by the end of this year or in the beginning of uh, next year. So this is uh, when the more detailed uh, 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 stressing uh, of, the, of the next years will, uh, will come out. Before we get too much into the specifics of uh, the EDPB, I'd love to hear your story about how you got into data protection. Uh, I don't know if you're a lawyer. I know you worked for the Finnish uh, data protection, uh, the DPA, for a number of years. You were the ombudsman. Um, how did you get into the, the world of privacy and data protection? I am actually a, a lawyer. I, I do have a legal background. Uh, I actually have also a PhD in, in law. I would say that uh, my story is not the most uh, useful story. I first got interested in in data protection, or well, maybe we could say it, uh, back then we were talking about IT law uh, when I was uh, at the university. Ah. Uh, and I've done also another master's degree in communication studies, and uh, uh, those studies were focusing on what was called back then new media. And back then, uh, internet was uh, one of the one of the uh, things which were considered as a new media. Mm. And this is when I first um, learned about uh, data protection. And this is when uh, I developed uh, my interest uh, in protection of personal data. I was told back then, though, that I should not be uh, focusing so much on protection of personal data because it is such a niche <laughs> sector of law. But uh, I did not take, uh, take that advice. Wise decision, I think. Do you see data protection as a civil rights issue as well as a you know, business issue? It is. It is both. It is both. Uh, and this is actually also very much um, European, uh, in, the, in the core of the European data strategy to foster the innovation uh, with the European values. And here we have the fundamental right of the protection of personal data. So I think that they are actually, uh, well, they go very much hand in hand. As the chair of the EDPB, do you think you'll have an overarching philosophy? I mean, uh, Chair Jelinek uh, had a, a saying, first among equals, I think. Uh, uh, do you have a philosophy like that? that you can sort of uh, describe? I was uh, elected by my peers to, to lead the work uh, of, the, of the EDBB, so I think this is, this is built in in mm. our system. For me, it's important to listen all different views when we are working on uh, different subjects. Uh, like you know, there, there might be also differing, uh, differing uh, views when we are talking about interpretation of, uh, of GDPR. GDPR mm -hmm. gives the possibility to, to, to draw different uh, interpretations. So uh, I do see that it's important to, to listen all different, uh, different views and then uh, come to a conclusion uh, based, on, based on that. Um, 
You've been in the post for a few months now, uh, since May, I guess. Uh, what have you learned in that time? Have there been any surprises? Well, it is what I was uh, expecting for. It's uh, it's a possibility. Now, uh, for the past uh, four years, uh, I've been I've been uh, able to uh, work on the protection of personal data of the Finnish citizens, and now this has given me the possibility to to uh, to work on to protect the personal data of uh, all Europeans or uh, to the EU and EEA uh, member states. I think that we can say that there are clearly results uh, of of the of the GDPR, and this is something that has been also shown even even in the past uh, three four months, which which I've been uh, um, uh, leading the EDBB. Uh, we have taken, for instance, a one binding decision uh, in the dispute resolution mechanism, and then uh, at the moment, at this very moment, uh, we are um, we are assessing. Uh, an urgency procedure. Uh, this is something uh, which hasn't been tried uh, all that many times, so it is a tool provided by the GDPR which hasn't been uh, frequently used by so far. Mm -hmm. So uh, even in the past uh, past four months uh, there have been uh, constant, uh, constant um, well I would say also development, but uh, mm -hmm. the things are also running as, as they should. Maybe we could talk about that case because it's an important one. Uh, this is about Meta's uh, processing of data and the legal basis for that, as I understand it. Could you talk about that a little bit and uh, you know, what the challenges are in, in uh, getting that decision made? Uh, I, I, can, uh, I can give some very general uh, comments, given that it is a case which we are currently uh, working on. I cannot sure. go very much uh, in, in detail. I understand. Uh, but uh, in uh, this case, um, uh, it was the Norwegian Supervisory Authority uh, who um, issued a uh, temporary decision uh, which related to, to the uh, legal basis uh, which uh, Meta was using on, uh, on uh, behavioral uh, advertising. This is a possibility uh, for the concerned supervisory authorities. So those supervisory authorities uh, were there are an effect on the data subjects, but where no um, main establishment of the control, controller uh, exists. And this is, um, this is then the tool that the Norwegian Data Protection Authority uh, decided uh, to use. And uh, it cannot be a final the decision by the Norwegian Supervisory Authority without uh, the decision of the EDBB. So this is why uh, it's now uh, uh, in the EDBB, and it is for the EDBB to decide uh, whether to adopt the um, approach taken by the Norway or whether to adopt a uh, different uh, approach. And uh, given that it's an urgent uh, procedure, the timelines are very tight. Will that be an early test of your leadership, do you think, or, or what's your view? Well, um, I don't know if it's really uh, testing uh, testing the leadership. I think it's uh, just uh, simply taking the matter through. It's, uh, it's uh, what it is. Today, the EDPB and the EDPS issued a joint statement on the digital euro. And um, I think uh, trying to summarize it hopefully accurately, for the most part, it was not critical, but there were some recommendations of changes to be made. One, that there be a privacy threshold, that below that, uh, transactions of lower values wouldn't be tracked for money laundering purposes to preserve people's privacy. 
Are the authorities bound to follow your recommendations? I mean, what happens next? And do you feel like the, the digital euro can be instituted in a way that does protect privacy? Now, I don't know uh, which authorities you are referring to. Um, us at the EDBB, we are very committed to, uh, to take the approach uh, we have agreed among uh, ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, when we are talking about uh, other authorities, uh, except for the data protection authorities, of course, uh, what I've seen is that uh, our recommendations have a very strong uh, impact but there is no legal obligation. Uh, but uh, by so far, uh, I've seen that they are uh, really uh, seriously studied. Also, our guidelines and also uh, our uh, recommendations given uh, given to the field uh, for the controllers. This is this is uh, this is uh, well. You can see this, for example, uh, based on the feedback we get uh, from from the field. I would see that this uh, this also. Uh, shows that there is a will to uh, comply with the GDPR. Uh, TikTok has joined Meta in suing the EDPB at the EU General Court uh, over its role in major cross-border enforcement. And I'm sure you can't really say anything about the specifics of that case, and I understand it. But I know in the United States, one of the difficult issues for regulators is that these companies have almost unlimited resources. And I'm wondering if these cases are... Um, a drain on the EDPB's resources? Do you have enough resources to really contest these companies in court? I think that there are basically two, two questions, whether we have uh, enough uh, resources and then uh, whether we are able to answer these, uh, these litigations. That's a fair analysis. Uh, yes, so I would say that we are definitely able to answer these litigations. Uh, and. For the second question, I would say that we need more resources, and this is something that we've been working on, and this is something we have, we, we have addressed this, uh, this uh, to the uh, Parliament and also to the Commission, and this has been actually something I was working very much on my first uh, first months uh, as the EDBB chair. It is uh, essential that we will have uh, sufficient uh, resources to to conduct uh, our, our duties. Could you be a bit more specific about that and is there hope that you'll get those resources? Well I definitely uh, I definitely hope so. Uh, I, I think that uh, the, uh, the developments uh, in the Parliament has been very promising and uh, actually also the Commissioner Rainers uh, took a very uh, positive uh, approach and uh, I, I've heard very positive uh, uh, comments uh, there. I would also like to underline that well I do know the current economical situation so this is I very much understand maybe we are with that but I also think that this is very much in the heart in the core uh, of the whole digital strategy the EU's uh, digital strategy so it's uh, it is uh, important that there are sufficient uh, resources so is there resources is that a request for money or staff I mean do you need lawyers on staff or just could you be detail well, that a little bit? We need money to have the staff. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So, um, uh, I would say that our requests have been quite modest. Still, we asked uh, nine more uh, staff members, which is uh, which is quite. Uh, I would say that it's more than reasonable. Mm -hmm. The accusation from Meta and TikTok, but also from the Irish Data Protection Commission, is that the EDPB has overreached its power somewhat. And do you have any reaction to that? We made the decision, the EDBB, we made the decision, and 
I believe that it's robust. It is then for the court to decide whether they see that our uh, approach uh, is, uh, is, um, will hold or whether they will uh, see that uh, there are uh, also uh, merits in Metas and TikTok's uh, case. So uh, I cannot really speculate what the court uh, will then eventually decide. I wanted to ask you about your views on the GDPR procedural reform. Um, the thrust of your recent opinion on it was that it needs to be delivered fairly quickly. Um, can I take from that that you agree with the substance of the, the Commission's proposal? Uh, well, um, we agree with the substance on some parts. As you might know, the Commission's uh, proposal is based on the EDVB's so-called wish list. We've been uh, working on, on our in, internal uh, cooperation mechanisms, and this is part of that, that work. We were able to identify certain, uh, well, maybe I could even say obstacles, uh, which we were not able to tackle uh, on our own. Uh, it was clear that we need to have uh, legislation there. And this is, uh, this is when we approached the Commission with our wish list. Uh, and we were very pleased that the Commission actually took really swift uh, actions uh, to provide us the tools that we would need to have a, a fluent cooperation between the authorities. However, uh, some, of the, some of the proposals made by the Commission, uh, there are something we would like to change in, in the proposal. Uh, just to give you an example, we just talked about the urgency procedure. Uh, so the Commission has proposed that uh, if there is a decision made in the urgency pro uh, procedure, it would apply only in that said member state. But now I give you an example, and I, I, I hope that this example will illustrate how this, this is actually an amendment which would take the GDPR backwards. Uh, we gave uh, the Finnish uh, supervisory authority gave a urgency uh, decision in a so-called Yango service provider, uh, 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 Yango services. Yango is a Russian Uber. And there was a new law which was about to become applicable in Russia, which would have provided very wide access for the FSB uh, to, uh, to data which is collected with taxi services. So we adopted an urgent decision. However, then uh, when this was uh, examined further, uh, we, we got a very short notice of the new legislation. And when this was examined further, uh, it turned out that this spe specific piece of legislation do not apply to the data which is collected in, uh, in Europe. Uh, this does not mean that the, that the data flows uh, to, to Russia would be safe, and this is actually a uh, topic or an issue which is, uh, which is still uh, under under work, but this specific issue was then uh, not at the table anymore. But if we ban data flows of, of a taxi service uh, from Finland to Russia, it would not make any sense if that would not apply also to other European countries, because today that would transfer like this uh, from Finland to Sweden to France and so on. So it would not have effect mm -hmm. to temporary decision. Great. And do you have a sense of what the timetable for procedural reform might be? I mean, do you see it happening this year or, or will it be a longer process? I definitely hope that it will happen before we have new uh, uh, parliamentary elections. 
I definitely hope that it would take place uh, this year or the latest uh, early next year, but I cannot uh, tell you how it, uh, how it is. It's always dangerous to predict the lawmaking process. Yes, I do recall that uh, when we negotiated GDPR, I, I was actually doing also the GDPR negotiations for the Finnish government. Uh, uh, in the beginning, uh, the uh, estimation was that it would take one year. <laughs> and it was, what, four years? Four years, yeah, yes. Right. I wanted to ask you about one theme that uh, I've heard a lot at, at the GPA uh, on data transfers. There, were, I don't think you were there yesterday, but there was a really interesting session um, where uh, there were, um, it was one of the most globally diverse panels because there was, uh, there was a regulator from Africa, there was South America, North America, uh, the U.S. actually, and then the EU, there was an EU person. And they were really talking about many of these interesting developments uh, in data flows in the last few years, the Japanese initiative on data flows with trust, uh, the uh, OECD process on government access to data, uh, the EU-US uh, data privacy framework. And there was some optimism and there was some, I wouldn't say pessimism, but some skepticism would maybe might be the right word. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, uh, do you feel like uh, the world's democracies are on a path to a global standard at some time for international data transfers? Or do you think that's going to be really difficult to achieve? I certainly hope that this is the path. Um, I think that there are uh, many developments which support this, this path. Like I said, that here at the GPA, uh, it's uh, tangible uh, how uh, how much, for instance, the, the functions of the data protection authorities have uh, developed uh, during the during the past uh, past years. At the same time, this is of course a very uh, complex uh, issue. Um, there are different interests uh, involved, so. Um, once again, I cannot really predict the future, so I, I cannot tell you what we will have in upcoming years, but what I can tell you is that I hope so. I, I definitely hope so that this is the path. Do you feel like the changes that the U.S. has made in intelligence agencies, at least claiming to be more responsible about their data access and about the, um, the uh, redress mechanism that's being set up with a new court, uh, do you feel like it goes far enough to protect the the data of Europeans? Well, this is now, of course, an issue which we have had at the table for quite quite a long time. Um, uh, we we took a statement on, on the privacy framework, as you probably know, and uh, we, uh, we did see very uh, positive developments uh, there, and actually just these, uh, these uh, components which you mentioned. Uh, we saw that there was a clear um, uh, development uh, in, in this sense. At the same time, we did express some, uh, some concerns, for example, when it comes to further transfers of uh, personal data and, and uh, so on. Uh, but uh, at the moment, we do have a, uh, a framework which we can be applied for the data transfers. And uh, this is uh, what we should be focusing on now. Um, then, um, if uh, this will be tested uh, in court again, then we will see what 
what will happen then. But now we have a framework which is uh, providing basis for the data transfers between to Europe and uh, US. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch that court actually be set up and start to render decisions and how well that process works. The first five years of the GDPR were characterized somewhat by uncertainty and you know, a slowly maturing enforcement. What do you think the next five years will look like? Well, um, it never gets boring with, with the protection of personal data and with data protection. There is a constant uh, development. And what is actually one of the, one of the perks of this, um, this field uh, is that it's always, you are always uh, in front of something new. So what I would say in Finnish, it's uh, that it's like hiihtää uh, umpihangessa which means that uh, you are skiing, uh, but not cross-country skiing, but you have no tracks. No one has done the tracks for you to do the skiing. So this would then both make it much more challenging, but also give you the possibility to, to make the tracks yourself. So this is, I think, the situation with the, uh, the constant situation with the protection of personal data. And also now, uh, for example, when it comes to the European digital environment, the Commission has given many new proposals uh, to, to shape the digital uh, environment. So uh, one of the things we need to face in, in upcoming uh, five years is how to combine all this, how to ensure that the, that the protection of personal data and uh, that will remain uh, in, in the core, uh, and how to ensure that the enforcement will be coherent. Uh, the harmonized enforcement is in everyone's benefit. It's, uh, it's what we need to have. And also, at the same time, you know that the technology is constantly developing. So we are constantly facing new technological developments. So uh, now we have uh, chat, uh, GPT, for example. Um, we have created task force for that uh, in TDBB. And I'm sure that this is not the last technological development we must face. So these are some of the things uh, we, we need to be able to address uh, during the five uh, five next years. I love your metaphor of uh, skiing where there are no tracks uh, because I can picture that in my mind's eye. You know, I always use snowshoes rather than skis, but it's a great metaphor, I think, for how we're trying to rec- regulate technology. Just to return to some of the possible practical reforms of the, the, the GDPR, how do you, what do you see the practical effect being for companies of those? Uh, on, you know, how, how will it affect companies, do you think? Do you have a sense of that yet? Well, um, if I'm looking at this question from my angle, uh, I would actually emphasize on the harmonized uh, enforcement, because this is also uh, in the company's benefit, to have the same answer regardless of the country or the authority because if the enforcement is fragmented with the new legislation it will uh, create uncertainty what barriers to reform as it's currently drafted do you foresee Um, do you think the parliament or council will be especially opposed to any particular provisions of the protection the proposed reforms now um, we have quite uh, quite uh, many uh, reforms 
if we are talking about, for example, the AI Act, it is my understanding that the parliament is, for example, uh, taking the same line in many issues as uh, we, uh, as an EDBB, have uh, taken uh, earlier. So um, we will see what we will have in the end of the day. I've noticed you um, sort of putting into practice what you said earlier about really listening to all viewpoints during this conference. And, you know, I saw you sitting down with some company representatives and talking to other delegates, you know, their DPAs. Do you expect that you would ever travel to Silicon Valley and sort of hear what the companies have to say face to face? I mean, meet with people like Mark Zuckerberg or Sundar Pichai. Um, well, he hasn't invited me there yet, so I, I have had no need to reflect upon that. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a, it was a real pleasure. And that was Anu Talu, the chair of the European Data Protection Board. She was speaking to me on the margins of the Global Privacy Assembly 2023 in Bermuda. And that's all for this special edition of the MLEX podcast. Thanks for being with us and stay tuned for more interviews over coming weeks. This podcast was produced by James Paniki. I'm Mike Swift, MLEX's Global Chief Correspondent for Data Privacy and Security. And from everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, Thanks for being with us. Mm-hmm.